0: Hi everyone, this is Greg Harton, editorial page editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm joined today by Rusty Turner, our our editor. And uh, we have the opportunity to interview John Comstock, who is running as a Democrat for the Arkansas House of Representatives in District 96. He's an attorney and mediator and formerly a judge, and uh, we uh, appreciate you being here.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Sure.
0: Um, uh, if you don't mind, just to start us off by telling us uh, a little bit about the geographic boundaries of district 96, uh, just so people know where we're talking
1: about. Now it, it's not real precise, but the, but the general depiction I would give you is it's Eastern Benton County, what people think of as the Beaver Lake area primarily. But if you are in downtown Rogers on second street, and if you took second street and it's not literally all the way, but go north to the Washington, I mean, south to the Washington County line, um, going up to 71 B part of that way. And then coming back down towards second street again and keep going out through Lowell and, and, uh, going, uh, north, uh, out us, uh, highway 62 down second street again, towards uh, the Missouri line. It's kind of that area. Uh, uh, what I call far Eastern Benton County.
0: All right. So you, a lot of Beaver Lake in there.
1: Almost all of Beaver Lake, as far as I can tell. Okay. All right. Well,
0: uh, just first thing, could you just uh, explain to us a little bit about what thought process you went through as far as deciding why you wanted to run? And, uh, and then if you get elected, uh, what you would like to do with the two years that the voters uh, give you?
1: Yeah. Well, well, primarily, what I have always done my entire professional career is to be an advocate for others. Um, and, and I was an attorney for a private attorney for my first 18 years. Then I came to work for Walmart in 1994 and I was an in-house attorney for, for about 18 years. And then I got the opportunity to be a circuit court judge for a little less than two years here in Benton County. I had a felony criminal docket. And since January of 13, I really have done maybe three things. Uh, One, I've taught conflict resolution at the University of Arkansas School of Law, five or six semesters, Uh, two courses a semester, spring and fall. And, And last spring was my last time to teach at this point. And then I started a mediation practice, Comstock Conflict Resolution Services, where I get hired by attorneys and their clients to help them settle disputes. My whole career has been about really trying to identify stakeholders, identify people who have very contrary views about what the truth is and about what's good, what's bad. And I just work very hard at at, uh, at helping those people resolve those differences. I tell I tell uh, 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 parties when I come to a mediation, as I drive to the mediation that morning, I think of my role, I try to get into a frame of reference as being a peacemaker. And, and that is the role that I see as a mediator. And really, I want to take that same kind of attitude and experience to the legislature Um, i you ask why um, what is it that that motivates me to run i just want to take being an advocate for others i tell folks all the time i want to be the single best representative that anybody living in house district 96 has had and by that i mean i want them to actually know my name when the two years is up and I want them to say, he really returned our calls. He responded to our emails. He helped us navigate through the bureaucracy of state government, let's say. You know, uh, uh, legislators a lot of times call it constituent services. I just want to be, uh, my Walmart days, we call it uh, servant leadership. But I want to just, I, I want to enforce that in the role of a legislator and um, really be an advocate for people as they deal with different you know governmental state agency issues I tell folks hey I can't guarantee what the outcome is going to be but I am going to assure you that you're going to have a voice uh, uh, trying to help you navigate that um, uh, you know through a state agency some people call it bureaucracy Um, I don't like to use that word too much because I don't want to I don't want to malign the state government employees who are doing their job but at the same time it helps to have an advocate and I want to be that advocate
0: now, this is a race that does not have an incumbent. Uh, it, uh, you do have a Republican uh, opponent in on November 3rd. Uh, so uh, Benton County has traditionally been a Republican kind of territory for, for a number of years. Um, help me to understand why you feel like uh, uh, that might not be the case in, in your race.
1: Hey, it's just like, gosh, I walked, you know, I don't know. I, I can't read the tea leaves, really. Uh, I'm not doing polling, uh, other than just happenstance talking to people, but I run into a guy that came out of Kerm Radio the other day, lifetime Republican, told me he had never voted for a Democrat, and said he's going to vote for Democrats this time, all up and down the ticket. And he said to me, John, I'd vote for you, but you're not in my district. Um, and so I would just say, um, I, I think there's a lot of people that are that are saying to themselves, if we if we really believe that we're we want to do something about this division and about this acrimony between party labels, which which just really bothers me how hostile it can become. Um, I say do like we used to say when I was growing up, let's vote for the person, not the party. And we used to say that with pride. Now it's almost people are hesitant to say that because they will well, their fellow party members say to them, I mean, I have voted Republican in the past. I'm not hesitant to say that. And I'm confident I will vote for a Republican again. Um, but, but I will try to make it a choice by the person. And so I, I'm just hoping that that's, I'm counting on that. I'm, I'm counting on the fact that maybe people will say, number one, if they get to know me, they'll know, hey, I've been a Democrat all my life, but the Democratic Party didn't really know it. You know, I mean, I wasn't going to the Democrat Benton County party functions. Uh, these folks got introduced to me when I first ran for state Senate two years ago. Um, but I, I, I self-describe as a Democrat, but folks that have known me 18 years at Walmart, uh, most people would say, "Well, John, I thought you were a Republican. And, and primarily they say that because they they see me as being a reasonable person who really digs down into the details. That's my strength. I like to dig into the details of something and try to solve problems and identify stakeholders and that's what i will do in the legislature if somebody tells me number one we have a problem which by the way i won't know what that problem is more than likely unless somebody tells me about it but then i want to find out not just what does that person tell me but who are the stakeholders that i need to be reaching out to to see what they have to say i need to get as informed as i can be and then make the best judgment i can So I I guess I'm counting on the fact that I think there's enough people this time around that are going to say, let's just let's vote for the person. And if they know me, I think they're going to be willing to give me a shot.
0: So are there uh, particular issues that you would anticipate coming up in the next uh, two year cycle uh, that you would be in this office if you get elected um, that that you bring some something to the table on that uh, that you think voters need to know about?
1: Well, I I would say and I I don't want to spend too much time on this, because sometimes it's really hard for for people to listen to me because I am pretty passionate about criminal justice reform. I think there's a lot of things we can do in that area in the short term. But I do want to talk about a specific thing that I would I'd like it to be my number one thing almost that I advocate for. And that is landlord tenant reform in Arkansas. We have about a third to 50% of the folks in Arkansas are tenants. And yet we're the only state in the nation that does not have a requirement of habitability. I, I was in a home, a, a rental apartment in Springdale just a couple weeks ago with some folks that there was so much water damage in their apartment that when they opened the doors, the bottom two or three inches of the doors have rotted away. The carpet is saturated constantly with carpet. And the way they avoid it or overcome it is to lay a rug on the floor and then another rug as as they, and and yet in Arkansas, the law says, tenant, you have to pay the rent. It doesn't matter that the landlord promises to fix things and doesn't fix them; you're still independently contractually obligated. And the law says you have to continue to pay that rent. I just i, I want to i want to work for for helping tenants actually get a fair shake.
2: All right, um, Judge, tell me a little bit about your evaluation of the state's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Tell us what you think about how things have gone and also tell us if you would have liked to have seen things done differently, what are those things?
1: Well, I would just say this, first of all, and I've said this several times, Rusty, I mean my hat is off to the governor and and do, do I agree with him on everything he's done? I absolutely do not. I'll tell you some of the disappointments. I was disappointed when when he did they, they they did an executive order as it relates to workers' compensation and they they on the one hand said well the employees can still get protection if they're hurt on the job because you know they have a workers' comp claim and yet even the state chamber of commerce said governor it's not really telling it totally accurately the, the truth is an employee can never meet the burden the evidentiary burden of proof to show that he or she got the COVID at that particular job place. So it really was a, a disappointment there. But day in and day out, and I've watched this governor and I've listened and watched a lot of his, his sessions, um, I, think, I think he believes in transparency. I, I don't think he's handled, let, let's say, the, uh, the the reporting of the prisoner uh, uh, illnesses for a period of time. I was disappointed that there wasn't more attention given and aggressive action taken to, to ward that off on the front side. I reached out to the governor's office and to the pardon and parole board asking the the Department of Corrections what are you doing to facilitate and to make sure that we don't end up with with what we have ended up with and essentially I was told we're not taking any particular steps as it relates to trying to identify folks that could we could accelerate their release from prison. They weren't looking at that and they weren't looking at it for a good period of time. They finally did uh, reassess that but on balance, I, I, I actually, I stand with the governor. I, I, uh, my, my opponent has supported the efforts of those who have sued the governor and essentially said that the governor has violated his oath of office and to respect the, uh, you know, the, the, um, the division of, of authority between the legislative and, and the executive branch. I disagree with that. I, I, I would have liked to have seen the governor uh, uh, require a, a mask mandate earlier. It seems like the three basic things, the wearing the mask, the social distancing, washing your hands, from everything I've been able to glean, those are still the three best things we can do. We don't have to stop seeing people and being around people totally. We just really need to be constantly kind of on our guard. And I think that's a message that the governor tries to give on a day in day out basis
0: you don't feel like the, the, the in that lawsuit you talked you were talking about the that they're claiming that the uh the legislature should have more of a voice in uh the executive uh, that declaring the emergency and and kind of setting the uh, reviewing the rules that are in place because of the emergency you're not buying into that that argument
1: i'm not and and listen um, I, I would tell you greg I may be the only person that you talk to that's actually read the complaint. I mean, maybe you folks have. Paragraph one to paragraph, you know, 200 and something, whatever it was. Because I wanted to see what are the allegations. And it's odd to me, this group of legislators and and people that want to be legislators that side with them, they complain about, like you say, the, the fact that the legislative branch is not getting enough play, enough of a role in this. Well, number one, the governor's doing everything he's doing pursuant to a law that was passed by the legislature so certainly if the legislature doesn't like it the way it's gone this time maybe in the next session maybe that's something we revisit uh, for the for the next pandemic maybe that we might have but let's not sue the governor and, and accuse him of of intentionally violating his oath of office so i don't buy that i also am, am find it just a little bit um i don't know Here's the legislature saying, we're not getting a big enough role in this, and yet issue one on the ballot, issue one on the ballot is all about the fact that the legislature won't step up to their role to make a decision, hey, we need to raise taxes to pay for uh, improvements to roads and highways. So let's tell our constituents what we need to do and let's bear the brunt of that vote and let's vote for a a tax increase to help pay for roads and, and highways for some limited period of time. No, they want to dump it off on issue one and put it on the backs of the citizens uh, to vote for a permanent tax. Um, and I know I'm getting a little far afield, I apologize, but, but the offensive thing particularly on issue one is if you read the ballot title that you and I are gonna read when we go vote, nowhere is a citizen told that it's gonna be permanent. It's not in there. And yet it is a permanent tax and all the material that describes it tells us it's a permanent tax. If that had been a citizen initiative, the Arkansas Supreme Court would have kicked it off the ballot just like that, but the legislature, they're not held to any standard. I, I actually think that's unfortunate. They can actually engage in active deception and and they are in this instance. They 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 decided we cannot put the word permanent in this ballot title or the citizens will not vote for it. Well, I, I, you know what? I don't think that's being transparent and it's not being candid. I think it lacks integrity and I hate to say that, but um, I, I have been in situations where I have known when I've tried to to, to persuade a, a corporate person, let's say, of a particular direction I wanted to go in that I thought was appropriate. I had and laid both options fully on the and let and and then let me try to persuade that executive of what I thought was the right way. But I had to take my hits either way, and and the legislature just doesn't do that. They all three of their issues uh, that they've got on the ballot this time are uh, misleading uh, to the public, and, and they, they're counting on that. They're counting on the public, not studying ahead of time, which is what we should do, obviously. We shouldn't become aware of what a ballot initiative is by going in there and reading that bi- ballot title that day, but a lot of folks don't know that. A lot of folks think that they ought to be able to read what they're voting on and make an informed decision, but honestly, the way they're titled, you can't do that.
2: So, Judge, uh can i infer by your comments that you're opposed then to issue one in the way it's structured uh, on the ballot that would take that temporary asset sales tax and make it permanent for roads and highways
1: absolutely i'm i'm against it and i'm against it being a built-in cake baked into the constitution that's not what the constitution should be about i've seen other people say the same thing i mean our constitution ought to be that you know set some basic parameters and policy, but to bake in a 0.5% permanent sales tax, which doesn't allow us to actually, what if we have second thoughts about this 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road? I mean, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm bothered by the approach and I'm bothered by the lack of candor with the legislature. So how would you uh, ta- want to tackle
0: as a lawmaker, uh, Well, I'm making an assumption, I guess, it seems to me that most people really don't dispute that, that the uh, roads and highways need some investment. Uh, so I'm assuming I'm assuming that point, but the, um, uh, how, how would you try to tackle that as a lawmaker? Because uh, uh, I think if that fails in November, that would certainly come up in, in a session in January.
1: And I hope it does. And I hope it does. And if it does, and if I'm given the opportunity to vote for something that makes sense that will provide some funding for roads and highways for a period of time. I, if somebody asked me to vote on something that's permanent, I'm not going to do it because I'm, I don't feel like we should tie our hands that way. You know, people always say our budgets control everything and we're supposed to run our state budget. Like we do a family budget. I am thankful and we should all be thankful that we do have a balanced budget requirement for the state. So that's good. That, 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 that probably exerts more discipline on us than anything we could do uh, and, and so if we're going to do that i just say let's revisit issues so in this legislature honestly the fact is many legislators were not willing to just take that stand up put their hand up and vote um, and tell the tell their constituents hey i've just voted for a you know a five-year or a 10-year tax uh so that we could do finance our roads and highways they just they don't want to they don't want to own up to that I think to myself, well, then why are you there? I mean, my gosh, if you're going to run for public office and be a legislator, then do the job that you're elected to do. But don't run from the biggest challenge that you've got. And highways and roads are a big part of the challenge of, you know, of, of being a legislator. That's, and, and, and the proof is in the pudding in the fact that these guys have shoved it off to the citizens because they, they're not willing to make that call themselves now hey it's easy for me I'm, I'm not in the legislature so a person could say well john you sound all all huffy and everything when you're on the outside but once you get on the inside all of a sudden those pressures are going to be on you hey listen if i if that if if you see me do that then all of a sudden you can say yeah he's just like everybody else but my commitment to people is that's not going to be the case i'm i'm going to try to the litmus test that i want to apply to every piece of legislation is what is the impact on arkansas families uh kids children uh, what is the real impact on 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 normal people out here trying to earn a living primarily wage earners uh, they don't have the the high-powered lobbyists working for them day in and day out and i think legislators have kind of a responsibility to to, to keep those folks especially in mind
0: so uh go ahead uh here for a minute or so uh, and touch on the other ballot issues. It sounded like you you were not keen on issues two and three either.
1: I mean, I and, and listen, I did a interview with the Chamber of Commerce the other day, and I was telling them, man, I'm sorry, I know you folks support. Uh, I think they may support them all. They they definitely support, I believe, one and three. Um, uh, and if I could just jump to three for a moment, because that that's that that just adds insult to injury in my mind. Here. We're, number one, wanting the citizens to, to vote on issue one, impose a permanent tax. And at the same time, issue three is going to hamstring the citizens' ability to ever come back and, and have a second thought about it. Because issue three is all about making it harder to have a citizen-initiated uh, law. Now, yes, they're imposing a couple little obstacles even for the legislature, but not much. Uh, most of the obstacles that they're coming up with are going to be for citizen-led acts and what's so offensive about that how many citizen issues are we going to vote on in november 3rd none and yet there's three or four that got that got the signatures that 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 did all that work and got things submitted to the secretary of state but they've been kicked off the ballot for one reason or another because of already the obstacles and the legal hurdles that we put in their place they've just tripled it they've quadrupled it they basically have assured guys that I just wonder whether we will ever see a successful citizen initiative again. Um, And and that's not hyperbole because we already know we're not seeing any this time. And it's all these technical rules that have to be met that, that people have to cross those T's and dot those I's that the legislature is totally shielded from. It's like they can, they can just, anyway, bottom line is I don't like it for the reason that um, it's, the one opportunity we get in this state to pass citizen initiated laws and they want to even make it harder when it's already extremely difficult that's that 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 to me i, I don't know what the what the motivation is of the legislature but it's a, like the one two punch you're going to first pass this permanent tax and at the same time you have the gall to ask me to put handcuffs on myself and and not be able to have second thoughts about that in the future it just seems to me like it was combined together. And, 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 and the chamber does tell me they support both of them, which I think is unfortunate. Uh,
2: Judge, I think one of the arguments in favor of issue three is that it, uh, is that, uh, it would hamper the ability of what's been termed out-of-state interest groups to come into Arkansas to place something on the ballot um, uh, without, without really the, the consensus of the, of the public. Uh, and so the, the so they're going to increase the 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 requirement for the number of signatures. So, uh, what's your response to that argument?
1: Hogwash. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm, I'm I mean I'm not kidding you. That it sounds reasonable when you hear it explained. It sounds like it could be reasonable. It's not the truth. I mean, if you want to know the truth, look at who's financing issue one. Yeah, there's a bunch of Arkansas money in issue one, but they're taking a whole bunch of out-of-state money for issue one as well. I mean, they, they are wanting to benefit for the very same thing. If they, if they were being genuine, they would actually turn down that out-of-state money and, and, and just want to rely on in-state. I, you know, saying hollow wash is being a little bit flippant. Okay, I recognize that. Uh, um, I, I, I would say that on balance, they don't like medical marijuana. Well, I hate to tell you, but that was very popular among us across the state. They don't like the minimum wage increase. That also was very popular. Both of those passed in Benton County, both of those passed in house district 96. Um, I don't know what else they might be talking about, you know, a a term or back, uh, they did something as it related to term limits. And, And by the way, I didn't make a comment on issue two, if I could do that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, just to say again, you know why we have issue two? We have issue two because the legislature got outsmarted. I, I, I got online and watched the debates, at least part of the debates. So I didn't obviously hear it all. But essentially, they were persuaded that citizen initiated acts were gonna come forward and that there was gonna be another effort to really impose some, some genuine term limits like we had before Senator John Woods did his number on us with the ethics bill you know two or three years uh i mean you know a term or two before so they they saw it coming and and in the legislature they actually said hey listen if we don't want this to happen to us we've got to come up with our own uh initiated i mean our own issue so that we can give the citizens a a so-called choice and we can get the chamber and everybody behind us and we can make it easier more palatable for the folks to say well i'll vote for term limits but i think i'll stick with the legislative initiated uh, referral. As it turns out, the citizens did not get their act together, so there is no citizen uh, referral. So now all we've got is um, is number two, and issue number two, what's it going to do? Right now we have a 16 lifetime limit on terms. It won't be any 16 year lifetime limit, In fact, a person could do 12 years, then take a break for four, another 12, take a break for four, serve another 12. I mean, they can get 36, 48 years. I mean, they've blown the 16 year lifetime limit out of the water on issue two. And that is not consistent with the path that Arkansas citizens have voted. I don't remember the exact, I've looked at it before, but if you look at over the years, Arkansas has to be, happens to be one of those states that seems to support real term limits um legislature still doesn't like it and 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 this is just issue two is it's surreptitious it's 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 like i say they're stuck with it now they wish they didn't have issue two on the ballot really they wish they would have just left lifetime 16 years alone um because now they're mudding the water a little bit but bottom line is i i I would just encourage people to it's an individual choice i get that the legislature referred to but i'm voting no Right. Uh,
0: you had mentioned uh, uh, criminal justice reform and, and I know that's that's near and dear to your heart but the, the uh, uh, you know around the same time that we've been dealing with COVID-19 uh, we've been seeing a lot of upheaval in the country with with uh, uh, demonstrations uh, about uh, uh, law enforcement and uh, racial uh, race relations, if you want to call it that, uh, uh, what is the role that the state legislature and you as a legislator needs to take when it comes to dealing with some of the issues that have really been exposed over the last several months?
1: Yeah. Well, that that is a tough one. Uh, Greg, there's, there's a lot of things. I would say this, I think, I think the first order of business, is what are we doing as individuals to try to become informed about what is happening in our country? What what is actually the truth about some of these issues? I think we have to become informed. I I read all the time. I'm usually reading two, three, four books at a time, at any given time, um, and one of them is our books by Martin Luther King Jr. or rereading his speeches, and and I remember uh, I commented on somebody. Listen, violence is not the answer. So the folks that are protesting and evolved to violence, that's not the answer. And somehow or another, the people that are advocating for change need to work harder at at training people how to do civil disobedience, if you want to call it that, or protesting, how to do that without violence. That's what Dr. King was all about. Um, but But he made an observation. You might remember that famous letter he wrote from the Birmingham jail. Um, and he said to all the, the folks that were criticizing him, number one, for coming from out of state, because, you know, some, that's, sometimes that's always the, the bad person, the person who comes from out of state. Well, human rights are human rights, and they don't transcend, and they don't stop and begin at borders. So if something's happening in my area that's not right, the fact that somebody else comes from the outside and points it out, that's not a bad thing. That's a healthy thing. And sometimes the reason they're doing it is because the people that live in the community find it hard because we get along with each other. I get along with the sheriff. I get along with the chief of police. Maybe it's a little harder for me to say what needs to be said as opposed to somebody who could come in from the outside. So one, I'd say, let's not demonize everybody who comes from the outside. but, but also, I would say, um, let's, let's also absolutely respect the police officers. We have to respect their role. I think we have, to, we have to raise their role up. I'll tell you one thing I want to do in the legislature. I want, to get a, I want to figure out if there's a way, if there's a legislative route, to figure out how they get paid more and how their training level in, is increased. How, perform, how they get more, more uh, training to prepare them to, to deal with stuff like this. But anyway, Dr. King in the letter, I apologize, Dr. King made a comment in the letter. Listen, if you if all this stuff is going to exist, and yes, and you see somebody ex- ex- involved in violence, it's, it's not right and we need to do what we can to stop it. But let's not uh, totally deprive the messenger, uh, I mean, uh, uh, shut our ears to the message just because we don't like the way somebody's conveying it. And you and I, if we don't understand what total frustration is with uh, with a life of discrimination to me probably not educating ourselves enough because people do get frustrated and we need to understand that we just need to figure out how do we reduce those pressure valves one of the things that i would like to see in more cities is genuine community policing review uh, committees or commissions or bodies um and the and the role that they would play would be depend on the committee, or I'm, I'm sorry the community, but the Department of Justice has done a wonderful study where they went out and, and looked at uh, I want to say uh, multiples of these type community review situations, and they're very different from one city to a next to the next. But bottom line is, when they interviewed the law enforcement folks that were involved in those groups, the consistent message was they help them interact better with the community and they help the community feel a part of what's going on in their community. You know one of the things that when I'm a mediator and I'm mediating a dispute, I'm not patting myself on the back but I'll just be blunt with you and tell you that I regularly get lawyers and the parties who tell me they thought they had no chance of settling this dispute and yet not only do we settle it between them but they end up maybe shaking hands. I work on that from the first session I ask them when we're finished, if we get this done, will you shake hands? Because I really am trying to build peace. I think we can do the same thing. These community groups, uh, policing groups, they allow the citizens to come in and kind of express and to vent, because that's also what happens in mediation. You allow people to vent their frustration. They need to be heard. That's that's why people can settle at a mediation rather than going in front of a jury because they've been allowed to be heard and somebody responded to what they said, not by would you shut up or would you not be so loud in your voice or accusatory in your tone. No, what I tell people all the time is, you can't offend me, you, you, you can't upset me by anything you say because number one, I've been trained and that's what I want our officers trained in too. But, but number two, you know, citizen commissions, or committees, let the citizen come in and vent, and then let's be attentive to what they're saying. And you and I are going to hear things that need to be followed up on and then have a process to follow up on them. I just think it would be a wonderful way for us to get re- reconnected with, with law enforcement. Before I came to, to Arkansas in 1984, for 10 plus years, I was the attorney who represented police officers in Almost every small town in northeastern Oklahoma, uh, Tulsa and, and Broken Arrow had their own legal departments. But other than that, I was the attorney that very often represented uh, cities and police officers charged with excessive use of force. Um, and I loved representing police officers, and and uh, um, it, but I also realized there it's not just a matter of bad apples. I know somebody used that. I hear that phrase a lot. Well, we need to get rid of the bad apples. It's not just that folks. It really is a matter of t- some training and some systemic issues within our culture that we need to work on. If you ask the question point blank, do I, and I know you haven't, but yeah, you know, some people do ask the question because there is a debate. Is there systemic racist, racism in our, in our country, in our culture, in our criminal justice? I would say yes, undoubtedly there is. Um, a report just two or three years ago, I wanna say maybe four years ago, by the University of Arkansas uh, School of Law, Little Rock. They, they looked at, go down into the data big time and uh, uh, came to that conclusion, issued a report that told us, regretfully, Arkansas does have uh, systemic racism built into its system. It's not something that can be um, um, ignored in my mind, um, but, but, but the more we become aware of it, the more I think we can do something about it i apologize for for the long-winded answer that's okay
0: um i've tried to touch base i think with all of our candidates on this and we just have a couple of minutes left but the um uh the hog farm over on the buffalo river has been an issue that's been very important to a lot of people in northwest arkansas but uh you know the first national river um and uh and that's Seem the, the idea of a permanent moratorium uh, over there has uh, seems like it's gotten uh, stopped in the legislature. Um, what do you feel like the state needs to do? Uh, uh, if, even, if, even if it's not a moratorium, you know, does the state need to do something different in terms of uh, that watershed around the Buffalo National River?
1: Well, I would first say since since Beaver Lake is, is primarily my area, I'd feel remiss if I didn't at least say that whatever we're doing for the Buffalo River, we need to be that aware and conscious. And certainly the legislators in Northwest Arkansas need to be as it relates to uh, Beaver Lake, because Beaver Lake really is what accounts for us being the, the beautiful place we are and, and why we're having all the growth and everything. I think people acknowledge that. So I want to attach these same comments uh, uh uh in place i i just think this i think the earth was given to us uh to uh, to serve us in a healthy way and i think we have an obligation of accountability to this earth and that buffalo river i have to confess i've got a sticker on my car that says save i, I now i can't even remember the exact quote i think it says save the buffalo river again um because that was put on there before they came to the decision, which, by the way, I sure applaud the governor. I don't know how it all came together, but I was very pleased when I saw that come together with the way they resolved that. Um, but I guess I would say, certainly I believe there is a role for the legislature. Uh, we're the natural state. We This Buffalo River is, 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 is it's, it's iconic in the state and in the nation. But more importantly, if you floated down it, which I have, and I'm sure you folks have, my gosh, we've got to preserve it. Um, and does that mean there's gonna be some limitations on some use of land adjacent to it and within that drainage system? There has to be. I mean, this is why we call it, you know, communities. And this is why we we do things sometimes that are for the betterment of all of us. It's really why we form governments. Otherwise, we we really form governments because government is best able sometimes to tackle and to to, to work on certain problems that you and I can't do just as individual citizens. That's why we come together in these communities of government in the first place. So I'm not informed enough to know what that legislative role is, but be assured of this. One of the things I would want to do as a legislature, and I would love to do it, is is find people that are knowledgeable and get that input from, from various stakeholders. I definitely, I mean, I want to hear from that strong scientific environmentalist but man, I want to hear from that farmer too. Sure, I really want to hear what they're saying because we've got to figure out how do we balance uh, both. I don't uh, know if that answers are, your question. Uh, I, uh, yeah, it, uh,
0: certainly. Um, right. We we've uh, the clock says we've run out of time. I did want to uh, uh, offer you the opportunity if there's some issue or or some matter that you want felt very important to get out there that we haven't asked about. Uh, now's your chance.
1: Well, gosh, that's, that's an opportunity. I should have seen this one coming, and I kind of messed up by not doing it. Uh, I would just say that um, as a general rule, and it, this is hard to get into a little snippet, but folks, we in Arkansas over-incarcerate. We send too many people to prison, and we send them there too long. And if you'll give me the opportunity to explain that to you in a different session, I certainly would. But, but uh, So I don't want you to just take my word for it. But we need to do better. We can save our state so much money by by not over incarcerating, and we can have healthier citizens uh, and healthier families and communities by not over incarcerating. And I just but but it's a it's a it's a complex path to navigate. And and um, but if anybody would call me 479-659-1767 or go to johncomstockforarkansas.com, for Call me. I would I would love to engage you on that conversation.
0: Well, I don't think anybody will be surprised that uh, within 30 minutes, we didn't solve the criminal justice reform <laughs> issue. Um, so I think they'll forgive us for that. But I do appreciate okay, your you. time giving us a chance to be here on uh, on uh, Zoom. And, uh, uh, you know, I think maybe we had a co- couple of little glitches in there, but I don't <laughs> think... Uh, I don't think it interrupted us too badly. So I appreciate you, uh, uh, making it through all that. And, uh,
1: I'll... I appreciate you. Yeah. And, and I believe it. I've been doing zoom mediations and zoom mediations work for the same reason, this conversation, uh, I hope, I hope you guys feel like. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you for your time. We appreciate it very much. Good luck out there. campaigning. All right. Thank you, judge.